Hey everyone, before we kick this episode off, I urge everyone listening to like and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you may get your podcast from. So if you listen to us on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating, or also subscribe to us on Spotify. And I urge all of our listeners to head to our website, and you can get more than just our podcast from there. We have news stories all the time there, we have feature articles there, so head to tnpmedia.au. That's tnpmedia.au. All right, without further ado, we'll get stuck into the podcast. Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au. All right, this is part two of our Penrite Oil Motorsport Special. Uh, on this episode, we bring you more of the motorsport ambassadors for Penrite in a recent visit here in Western Australia for the Supercar Round at Carco Raceway. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, it's great to have you on board for this episode. Um, we speak to some great motorsport ambassadors. All right, moving along with the guest tonight. We got a. We, he's no stranger to the podcast. This man, he's come on before briefly with Todd. I think Todd interviewed you was a couple of years ago now, during the COVID years, I think it was, when we were trying to get Targa Targa West together, and I think Ross managed to do the the four day event or the three day. I can't remember. I'm talking a little bit out of school, but I know Todd caught up with you, Chris Caruso. Welcome to the podcast again. Thanks a lot. Thanks very much. I think it was a couple of years ago. Yeah, it was. It was a little while ago. Yeah. Chris, for those that aren't familiar with yourself, and not many West Australians wouldn't be, but just in case we've got some people listening from over east and different parts of the world, explain a bit about yourself, your campaign, not one, not two, but three cars in Targa. T- talk us through Talk us through what you do there. Yeah, well, we're hoping it was third time lucky, but no, it's just been an evolution for me, I guess. Um, I'm... The, the, the evolution of the three cars, obviously I started with the, uh, the Wildcat Jaguar, yep. which, is, well, which became infamous around the Targa scene. Yeah. And it was basically always entered on an invitational uh, entry, which, you know, it was great fun and we never really worried too much about the clock. It was all about backing it into every corner and <laughs> highlighting the spectator <laughs> stages in the road book and... Basically, life was uh, pretty good and carefree, as long as we could afford to keep putting tyres on it. <laughs> so, yeah, there came a time where I guess the invitation, uh, invitational uh, entry... Look, I, I wouldn't say it was wearing thin, but I, I came a little bit self-conscious of it yeah. because there was a lot of pressure on the Targa guys to let more and more invitational or non-compliant cars in. And I figure eventually I'll have to sort of get myself into a uh, compliant car uh, as per the regulation. So hence the Corvette. The Corvette was something which I thought would sort of lend itself well to my character and my driving style. You know, big horsepower, rear-wheel drive, that sort of thing. And turned out to be a bit of a handful to develop because yeah. it was quite a temperamental car. But it was great fun. It goes like the clappers, makes a lot of noise and... You know, it got to the stage where it was, um, you know, I ironed out most of the sort of problems with it, but then uh, opportunity knocked with the Dodge Viper, and yep. 
It was already an existing Targa car from a uh, previous competitor. Okay. And it was crashed uh, on a stage, actually, when we used to run John Forrest uh, yeah. as a stage. And I knew the owner quite well. And over the years after the crash, the car sat around and it didn't... Um, the owner was reluctant to repair it uh, for personal reasons. And eventually um, I ended up acquiring the car mm-hmm. damaged as, yeah, okay. as it last uh, sat uh, outside that tree on John Forrest. Yep. I rebuilt the Viper, and um, uh, I think it was 2018, I first got it all back together from rebuilding it, and its first event back was actually Race Wars, the runway racing mm-hmm. in 2018, yep. and then we since campaigned it uh, in Targa since then. Yeah, okay, so. yep, yep. It's a magnificent story of, you know, West, proud West Australian, I know a lot of West Aussies follow you in the Targa scene. Yeah. I always thought the Jag, I just looked at it before, correct me if I'm wrong, I thought that was Chev, but no. No, you can be definitely forgiven for uh, <laughs> thinking that, but you also, uh, you know that I'm a, I'm a patriot at heart, and even though it's a pommy car, there had to be a fair bit of uh, Aussie... Uh, yeah, Aussie I, engineering in it, so it's got the old iron line with a fuel-injected uh, uh, VNVP yeah. um, uh, era engine with a Harrop stroker out to 355. Yep. Uh, very good low and mid-range torquey engine, which suits the heavy Jag and my driving style. So yeah. not huge horsepower, heavy car, but... Very easy to drive on the throttle. Yeah, okay. Yep, yep. Sounds magnificent when you rocked up before. I was here when you rocked up in the Jag. Sounded absolutely magnificent. Oh, it's Beautiful great. sounding yeah, car. It's a tribute to Penrod Oil in a way because most people don't realise when I tell them that the engine in the Jag is still the original engine when I built the car. The Holden wow. that I built for it, the Stroker, running on HPR 30 for almost 20 years, yeah. which most people think that I'm making that up, but yeah. I'm not. So yeah, no, it's a magnificent sounding car, beautiful looking car as well. Tell us a bit about Targa this 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 year and uh, what, what to expect at Targa. You you entering again? This well, we, it's all fingers crossed at the moment. It's, it's probably not widely known outside of the Targa community, but certainly within the Targa circles and those that follow it, um, the last couple of years have been mm. quite a tumultuous yeah. time because of... Uh, well, Target Tasmania had, um, as as you know, they had some fatalities yep. in the last two events. So Motorsport Australia, in their wisdom, decided to cease issuing any more permits for Tarmac Rally into mm. a major, um, a major investigation and sort of, I guess, uh, re-engineering of the regulations was issued. So, believe it or not, we still don't have the latest or what will be the amended regulations for 2023. They yeah, tell okay. us that they'll be out by June 30, but it doesn't leave a lot of time because there's about 98 recommendations, I believe, yeah. in the report. So, yeah, okay. look, a bit up in the air, yeah. but fingers crossed. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. It's a great motorsport event for Western Australia, isn't it, Chris? Because, really, I know, we got, I know we're all here tonight, here celebrating the supercars in town, but... And I don't want to say second to that because I, I feel what you guys do 
is particularly important to even regional fans as well. I know you don't go out extensively into the bush in the regions, but you do go out to lots of areas. Uh, um, Merrillville Downs, I think, is one of them. Bullsbrook, the places like that. And you're bringing people. It's a free event. That's what a lot of people forget. Yes. You know, Targa. Yeah. Yes. Ross, Ross Tapper and, and Jan do an absolutely magnificent job for Targa and bringing that all together. So just explain to the people listening, like Targa, it's timed over a, uh, a set course um, and you go to different locations uh, during the, over the weekend. So basically, tarmac rallying, as it's known, is, is carried out predominantly on closed public roads. So mm-hmm. there'll, be, there'll be stretches of uh, road that people are familiar with in their, let's say, civilian or everyday life. And then for tarmac rallying, those, those sections of road that are selected are then closed and become what's called a special stage. Now those stages could range from 5, 10, 15, 20 odd kilometres long. So the name yep. of the game is basically to get from the start of the stage to the end of the stage as fast as you can and every each car will leave in 30 second intervals. Mm. So it's a very exciting form of racing. Uh, Yes, it is quite dangerous because you're out in forests and that sort of thing. And we do travel down south. We get as far down as Pemberton, Manjimup, yeah. Albany. Targa Southwest, yeah. yeah. So, look, it's very exciting. It does go to a lot of regional places, which means that the average, uh, you know, the average fan can actually get very close to the action. And as you say, it's free. There's no entry fees. And it's a... In a way, even though it's a very professional form of racing, it's also a very high contact sport with the public in that everybody's, you know, sort of, uh, everybody's able to um, communicate with the the competitors in the Mm. uh, service parks, come and have a look at the cars. I mean, the V8s, they are really a fantastic form of racing, but some... Some average sort of fans, you know, they don't really always get the opportunity to, to, to get, get right yeah, in that's and amongst right. it. Yeah, so. yeah. Tell us a bit about, like, Southwest, because I actually did that, I went a couple of years ago, and I was um, I was at the end of the stage, and, and Dave Smith at the time said, you can do sweep. And I said, what does that mean? He goes, just drive behind the support vehicles at the end. Mm. And so I did sweep for... For, it was a I can't remember which stage it was down there, but yeah. I've got to be honest with you, and we did it at 80 k's an hour. Yeah. At 80 k's an hour, I was in an SUV, but even yeah. I said, this is pretty scary. It yeah. would be pretty hairy in something like what you guys have got because yeah. trees are from they're here big. to that pole away. And they're big. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess, look, it's it, it, the common denominator in the, in the, is don't look... And you'll be all right. So look, <laughs> look, look where you want to go, not where you don't want to, and that's a pretty good start. But look, it, we have—it's uh, a form of uh, racing that has uh, a navigator or a co-driver, so to speak. So we have pace notes, or they can be also called safety notes. So yep. what happens? We'll do reconnaissance of the courses, mm. and we'll take notes, even though we have an official road book that's uh, supplied to us. We'll actually add a lot of detail to the road uh, conditions, the nature of the corners, 
the position over crests, for example, where you can't see the road ahead of you. So the navigator or co-driver will be constantly communicating with uh, intercoms, so obviously there's a lot of noise that needs to be blocked out. And it really is a team effort because if you can't rely and trust your navigator 100%, then you obviously can't perform at a, at a competitive level. Talk us through your navigator. Seth, I didn't realise he's actually an employee here. He is at Penrod. So he's at Penrod. I was talking to him before. And um, so, because his role is reading the notes to you, but he has to read it to you in a fashion that he can't be reading it to you when you're there. He has to be reading it, feeding it to you at the appropriate time so that you're prepared for down the track. How hard is that? It takes a lot of uh, practice and and what you refer to is what we call the delivery of the notes. So you are right, the the co-driver or the navigator will have to deliver the notes in accordance with the distance or the actual flow of the road. So that may mean that some calls will be done faster or in a sequence of two or three notes at once. Mm which will be perhaps underlined in the pace notes. And then where there may be straights of two, three hundred metres or perhaps a blind crest, then, you know, the the delivery of that note will be adjusted according uh, according to the distance where you are on the stage because you have the added in my mind this is just in my mind but you had the added complexity of he's in a situation where he's reading you notes in, in, a, in a in a fashion but he's also how much of an eye is he keeping out like he, you could be getting pretty close to a tree or taking a corner and it's you know you're going a bit sideways and you, you've got the opposite lock on so there's a <laughs> moment in his delivery of notes that you know is, are we going to be alright here? <laughs> Uh, there's more than one moment, that's for sure. So what will happen, uh, uh, the, the co-driver, and I call it a co-driver where those inputs get more, uh, let's just say a navigator is just a clinical, uh, navigation would just be a clinical delivery of the specific notes, whereas yep. a co-driver will actually become part of the driving in that, uh, or watch the tree, or you know, you got a bit close to the tree. So there'll be a little bit of ad libbing, and um, also some in between conversation, as you say, where he might feel that we've done a bad job of setting the cart for that corner, or geez, that corner we might have written down as an eight, or maybe that was a seven. Yeah. So there'll be a little bit of conversation where there's time to do that, and he will mark the note if there has to be something uh, um, amended so those amendments will have to be done on the run as well mm, so it's yep. a very challenging environment but when it comes together it's it's quite a special uh, moment it is i can imagine I, I think it's magnificent what what you guys do especially for yourself you've been if i think about it I'm, i mean i'm i could be talking out of school here but You've probably been in the target scene out of the, the longest out of all the competitors. Would I be right in saying that? Uh, well, we we didn't do the first targa in 2005 because the Jag, I, even though I had it built, it wasn't. Uh, they had changed the regulations by the time I built it. So in 2006, 
we had come to an agreement that they would let me in as an invitational. Yeah. And unfortunately, as we all know, 2006 was the yeah. fateful year for Peter Brock. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, two, 2006 was uh, technically our first tarmac rally. Yeah, OK. I'm just trying to think anyone that... Look, Dave uh, Ross... Dave Smith, whoever's listening, Denver as well, all those guys listen, they'll shoot, They'll let me know who's maybe done it longer. But I, I, I think yeah. you'd be up there, certainly. Uh, well, we'd be up there, I guess, if you say that we started in 2006. Yeah. But I, I'm sure um, uh, somebody who does come to mind would be Nigel Jones. I'm fairly certain, and I stand to be corrected, but I think Nigel may have done every one. Yeah, OK. Mm-hmm. All right, well, there you go. Magnificent. Well, no, I was, was going to say the same thing. Seeing that you've been on the sport for so long, what advice would you give to someone, you know, someone new wanting to enter the sport? Like, what advice would you give to them? Well, the best advice I could give is to surround yourself by with people who are interested enough to help so you can build up a core group of uh, support. And then... Go out and start with some entry-level events. So, for example, uh, Ross Tapper, who is a very dedicated, Ross and Jan, they're very dedicated um, not just to delivering events, but also to feeding new uh, newcomers. Fresh, fresh fresh, and the Rally Sprint Series yeah. is, is a very good example awesome. of that. So is, rally, that, is that the one that the Motorplex? Motorplex, yes, yeah. Of course, and yeah. some of the tarmac events are actually run as Rally Sprint mm. events. Okay. Now, the main difference between a Rally Sprint and a tarmac rally is the regulation. So a Rally Sprint can be run under what's called a speed event license. Yes. Whereas a tarmac rally, you have to have a national rally license, so does the navigator. So, in other words, a rally sprint and the entry-level events are very uh, uh, obtainable um, to the average person who just wants to start out in an uncaged road car. So if you're an enthusiast and you might have a high-performance car, um, uh, you know, along with the preparation and advice and you know a little bit of probably driver training which happens at a lot of different uh, places so in other words places where you can test the braking limits and maybe get into a slide and and a loop where you're not going to hit anything so Wanneroo or Mm -hmm. say the airport uh, driver training at the airport. But you probably want to sit on someone else's team for a a couple of events too, just to see how everything runs and works and all the mechanics of of it. Before you even think about even buying a car or entering an event, you'd want to probably sit in a team and just see how everyone links in together and how how the whole operation works before you even just go out there and think mm. you can do That's something. That's a very, very good point you make because the other the other options, uh, and I was referring to people that may have a, have a car, but you, you've drawn attention to a very good point. A lot of people who are very interested, they don't have a car. So there's great opportunity for navigators or co-drivers yep. or to participate on a crew. So you've hit the nail on the head if you... If you for whatever reason you don't have a car and that opportunity is not available right away, involve yourself with one of the crews or start learning a bit about co-driving or navigating because there's still a great demand for co-drivers. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
You, but it's not an it's not that's that's not an easy gig. It's I not an easy co, gig. I don't think I could the, do that. The co <laughs> is yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's a big responsibility. It's a bigger responsibility than the driver, isn't it? Really? Yeah. It's it's uh it's and as I said, I I did that sweep, and I thought to myself, man, I'm doing this at eighty. Yeah. I ain't doing this at uh at two hundred. <laughs> yeah. I give you the tip. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, it's very interesting, very interesting. Chris Penwright, I know they've been a big backer of yours. Talk us through the brand. You know, I asked Johnny before. I said, "You run Penwright, eh?" And he goes, "Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> we all run." I think car guys you just have this tendency to run to run. I, I yeah. use Penwright in my ride as well, HPR ten on mine. But talk us through the Penwright Association as well. Well, I think Penwright. Uh, look, there, there's some companies. At a, they they just have a connection with grassroots, and yeah. some brands. Penride is probably one of the best examples of that. Um, they involve themselves at grassroots. Mm. You, you always see the glamour on the top end, yeah. where there's big sponsorship deals come and that sort of thing, and you can't help but think you know where, where does where does all the grassroots and and the feeder um uh, events how do they survive how do they get financed so penright i think in recent years have made a a, a huge effort to get as much grassroots coverage as they can through the yeah. ambas- through the ambassador uh, program mm. which allows a lot of sort of limited budget teams to relieve a bit of pressure with yeah. the product and that sort of, because oil is expensive now. It and is. in a race car, you've got to change, change it regularly. Yeah. So I think when you look around at um, you know, what the Diamond family have done and, and their, their team of, uh, of uh, well, not just sales team, but obviously the whole, the whole uh, corporate team, you can tell that they have a passion mm. at grassroots. And look, yeah. I, it's a little bit... I mean, I don't like to, you know, sort of, in, in our field, Shannon's has been a very big supporter of Tarmac and Grassroots yep. as well. Yep. And I sort yep. of put it a little bit like that, in that Shannon's, you're always going to see him rock up with a an annex, a Shannon annex, yep. and, you know, you've got a great state, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, a great uh, state manager. Um, James. James MacDonald. Mm-hmm. And... If you can, people would recognise Shannon's as being a great supporter as well of grassroots. Mm-hmm. So there's a handful of companies like that which builds a lot of brand yeah, loyalty. For sure, for sure. Chris, it was a pleasure having you on the podcast. It was great to have Fantastic. you here. We can look you up at on Facebook or website Wildcat, Wildcat Racing yep. on Facebook or Instagram. That's with a Y W Y L D C A T Wildcat Racing. Cool. And, yeah, we, we're always putting up some updates or some interesting things, what we're getting up to. So. Yeah. No, no. Follow you guys because it's, it's magnificent and I, I, love, I love the work you do and I love the fact that you've been around for a long time and done this for a long time. Good supporter of Grassroots Motorsport. That's what we need. Fantastic. Good work. Thanks, Chris. Really appreciate your time. Good on you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Cheers. Cheers. We hope you're liking this podcast. If you are, head to our iTunes or Spotify um, podcast channel and like and subscribe 
to us there. Also, head to our website, tnpmedia.au. You can get all of our episodes, every single one we've ever recorded, from our website there as well. There's also a heap of YouTube content, so head to our YouTube channel and subscribe to us there. That's Talking Power. Wherever you get us, make sure you like and subscribe us there. Uh, we can really do with the, uh, the subs. Thanks, everyone. Now back to the second half of the podcast. I'm joined by Trenna and Jason Mann. Thanks for coming on the podcast. It's great to have you here. I, I must be honest with you. I, I did preface our discussion by saying I don't know a lot about uh, go-karting, so I guess that's why you've come on to the podcast to tell us a little bit about the work you do. We've been a brand ambassador for Penrite and the and and been in the go-kart scene. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Trina. You started racing when you were 12, is that correct? Yeah. Uh, so I started racing when I was 12. Um, pretty much gone through all the classes. So cadets, juniors, seniors. Um, pretty much at my highest peak right now for my senior category. Yep. Um, next step for seniors would be KZs, um, but still a while away yeah, from okay. that one. Yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> So KZs are the uh, 125, but they got the six-speed gearbox on them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jason, you were explaining before, because I don't want to sound like I know what I'm talking about, but you explained <laughs> the acronym TAG. So just explain to our listeners, currently uh, Trenner's in a, in a TAG. So tell us a bit about the TAG um, Yeah, car. so we're in um, TAG 125 Lite is the uh, class we race here in uh, WA. Mm-hmm. And if we were to go uh, nationally, it would be uh, X30. So yep. basically TAG uh, 125, so TAG stands for a touch and go. Yep. You basically uh, buy your engine, um, put it on the cart and go racing, not allowed to modify it uh, hugely in any way. You can do little bits and pieces, but um, relatively straight out the box on the chassis and um, go racing. So yeah, okay. yep. it's, um, it's a very controlled, competitive um, environment where, um, you know, really the driver makes the cart work and you know it, it yeah yeah tell us a bit about that then Trina. you 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 mentioned in the notes here as well um so one of the biggest challenges is is being a girl in in this in this in the sport that's dominated as we know by by yeah. boys and by males tell us what's that what it's like um coming through the ranks as a female in go-karting it's definitely challenging because you get all your looks and your oh you can't do this or you'll have your challenges where you'll get blocked and just your every daily racing competitive competitiveness yep. um, between everyone um, being a girl coming through as the motorsport is definitely different especially because there's not a lot of girls out there that race um, so to be in a high rank in the category that I'm in anyway um, is definitely big step and boys don't technically like it <laughs> yep but do you think then i'm going to ask you a question without notice here but do you think it's because really motorsport and we've been saying this on the podcast for a long time motorsport is really the only sport on the planet where males and females can compete against each other and it doesn't matter what gender you are like you look at football I think there's a gender, it, it, you know, that you just cannot be, the, it can't be the same. But motorsport takes all of that out of it because at the end of the day, it's based on, um, I guess, talent. Yeah, 100%. It's 
At the end of the day, it comes down to fitness and your race craft. It's not as though as you just sit in a seat and you've got to press your pedals and think about where your braking points and accelerating points. You've really got to like, study your track and narrow it down to who can brake the latest and who can hold the accelerator on the longest, pretty much. Yeah, 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 yeah. So do you think in, in karting in particular there needs to be perhaps like further like obviously more girls doing it and more more education for 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 everyone yeah 100 percent. i reckon there should be heaps more girls that race in any motorsport whether it's karting sprint cars supercars drift cars whatever it is i really think karting is underestimated for what it actually is and i think it should be displayed more so more girls can get the idea and see how fun it is and it's not just all nitty gritty you meet nice friends becomes one big family really yeah okay so yep it's yep. not just the racing that counts for me as well I, ha- I have people. to be honest with you i think i think foxtel and people uh, they're doing a lot of karting now as well i've noticed it's international obviously but i think that's bringing the sport up as well i watch a bit of that and really karting is when you think about it like i know these even the cars we're on pointing to um, I think that's Matt Payne's car. They're all um, whatever it is, one of uh, David Reynolds or Matt Payne's car here. Yeah. That's supposed to be a controlled category, but I yeah. think really when you think about it, karting is the ultimate controlled category, isn't it? Yeah, very controlled um, category, 100%. Um, in many, many, many ways. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. Yeah. Also, on with with karting, you know, you've got to eliminate. We don't have suspension. Um, they're a rigid chassis, mm-hmm. so really on race day, it's how the mechanic works with the driver, gets the feedback, um, and then adopts that for the track surface of the day. You know, yeah. you go out in the morning, and then you know, come late afternoon when you're going out for more heat races, you, you're generally walking around um, trying to uh, get as much info as you can to do those few tweaks to make that cart um, work in the mm. heat of the day. You know, yeah. so yep. it's. Um, not only the, the driver, but you know, it's the mechanic getting the cart right, the setup right to, uh, you know, make it work all on the day. Yeah, yeah, yep. I noticed carding in particular. You get what I, I don't know if that's what, if this is what you call it, but when I've carded in the past, it gets bogged down in a corner, or you know, you, or you're sliding into a corner and you're losing too much too much speed. Those those sort of things are really crucial in in cutting quick laps, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, there's like can be up to a second, two seconds mm. into things like that. So that's where you got to really bond with your mechanic and your team or whoever is your pit crew for that weekend and tell them what it's doing and give them best advice and feedback that you possibly can so they can help fix that. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's like all forms of uh, motorsport. Anyone can go fast in a straight line. It's making the cart, you know, making the vehicle turn and mm. maintaining that uh, momentum to keep in front. Yeah. Any particular goals for yourself? in the near future um probably just to keep going where i'm going and compete in more national rounds Mm -hmm. um and see where we'll see how high national rounds um can get me like where i can place yeah and then if i can do well in tag or x30 in national rounds maybe in the near future look at doing kz's yeah okay um but for now pretty 
pretty content with my little tag over there. <laughs> yeah, okay. Looks, it's an amazing little cart. Uh, well, I shouldn't call it a little. It's an amazing bit of equipment. So, if people want to see it, where where can they can they find any? Do you have a Facebook page or a website that they can go to? Yeah, we have um, heaps of main contact points. We have um, well, my page, which is displayed as well, which is Chinaman Racing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the clubs, which is Tiger Cart Club, Wanneroo. Um, I meant to ask you that. So you're, you're members of Ti- Tiger? Yep. Tiger yeah. Cart yep. Club, yep. Great, great cart club, yeah. aren't they? Yep. Very great facility. Yep. Yep. Okay. Who you, like, tell us, is anyone you want to thank getting you here so far? Yeah, my dad, um, my mum, mainly, um, wouldn't be here where I am now without them um, and their financial well-being as well um, yep. and Penwright this being my third year with them as well being mm. keeping them on as an ambassador for them has been a great experience as well yep. yep yep it is a great great Australian company and you know one of the you know great great Aussie success stories with yeah. them when you think about it so yeah no nah, that's um it's great you could be here Trina it's really great to have you on the podcast well look Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. And uh, I'll ask our listeners to go look you up on Facebook and get to get to an event when they can. I know that you, racing happens nearly all year round. There's not much off time for karting, isn't it? No. Yeah. I guess for the next major race for karting, uh, we just had the national round here at Wanneroo last weekend. Yep. Um, and, you know, like the supercars, now the... the uh, the karting family they're all off to newcastle yeah. the next major round is yeah. so. okay all right well best of luck and uh thanks for coming on the podcast really appreciate your time thank you for thanks having lot, me thank you all right i'm here with royalty in the drag racing fraternity i'm not talking about john zap here either. i'm talking about the glover family and we've got father and son peter and brett here on the podcast thanks for joining us guys yeah, thanks for having us. Um, we're down here at Penrite tonight uh, for their opening of the warehouse and, um, yeah, brought the car down and, yeah, it's been a nice evening. You know, when you, before you arrived, uh, they didn't know who you were because they were looking for PTS. And I said, yeah, that's them. Yeah. <laughs> Performance Tested Seals. That's us, yeah. Talk us through that, the name PTS, because PTS, Performance Tested Seals, been around for a long time. You developed the performance tested seals. Peter, tell us a bit about that. Yeah, no, I think we had a lot of issues initially uh, with breaking seals. Yep. Got to the point where when you break a seal, you do a housing in, and it just became one thing after another. And I thought there's got to be a better way than what we have now. So, yeah, hence that started the ball rolling. And we tried different things and some success and no success. And until we eventually got them nutted out and yeah, yeah. never looked back. So that name's been around for quite some time. That that car, you de- correct me if I'm wrong, you debuted this car in 2000, am I right? Or thereabouts? No, it was 2007. Oh, jeez, I was uh, way off. Yeah, yeah. So, hmm. yeah, we still had the Datsun when, when the Motorplex first opened. Okay. Yep. yep, all right. Well, talk us through the, in the Datto days. I, I remember that car quite well, actually. Talk, <laughs> us, talk us through that, because that was quite a handful for you, wasn't it? It was. You know, we, we got to a point where the power that it was making was um, yeah, a lot more than what 
the car was designed for and yeah, yeah obviously with the wheels in the air you didn't have a lot of steering and it was just leapt up to uh geez are the wheels going to come down before we hit the wall or are we going to make it <laughs> you stepped up into uh that's rx7 that one was the last of the rx7s that one am i right yes that's, that's correct the last yeah, rx7 yeah series six talk us through that car I'm, Correct me if I'm wrong, Anthony Rodriguez said was involved in the build of that as well, or no. the development, no? No, that was his, that was the original um, number one street car in Australia. Yep. And I got the, bought the car off him, but I got a phone call from a good friend of ours, Paul Perticelli, saying, I've got your new drag car here, and it turned out he'd bought a FD out of the US, yeah, uh, okay. sorry, out of Japan. Yep. And uh, yeah, so he gave us the car. And yep. From there on, yeah, the rest is history in that point of view. Yeah. Don't say that came from Paul then. Yeah, yeah, yeah the body right. did, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, righto. Yeah, so the, the, the chassis was from Anthony. Yeah. Um, he had, had run on that before. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, obviously had an accident, and then we bought it off him and, and, and rebuilt the car and mm. with a new body, and yeah, here we are. Yep, okay. No. Tell us what the season, how the season went for yourselves. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the start of the season looked very promising for us. We went out to a test day uh, before it started, um, ran a, a couple of 7.0s, uh, which we were quite happy with, um, but we were still having, you know, start line issues where the car was bogging, um, you know, situations like that. So we, we made some changes through the season, and it wasn't just four link, it was multiple things we were trying mm. to improve that, um, you know, and, and it didn't really move forward from that, to be honest. We, you know, we, we did work out where we needed to be, and then at the end of the season, we, we ran a PB in the 60 foot, mm -hmm. um, which is what we were chasing all year. So, yeah, yep. we got there in the end, but it did take us some time. Yep, yep. Pete, I'll tell you something. I've never held a gold Christmas tree before, but I have now. I just picked <laughs> your one up and put it in the back of the car. That. <laughs> But it's not mine. It's not mine. It's, it's his. I didn't re well, it's a it's, it's a fam it's, it's a family. <laughs> the Glover family are you know you yeah. are the epitome of family drag racing. Yeah. You really are because it's not it's not it's it's always the Glover family. It's never yep, Peter Glover. Right. It's never Brett Glover. Yeah. Is it really Correct. in yep. in in the circles yeah. in the drag racing circles? It's always been. The, the, Glovers, the, yeah. the, the Glovers, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And now, you know, I know your daughter's involved as well and, like, she's here tonight as well. It's great to see the family all together and, and doing these sorts of things as a, as a family motorsport team. Yeah, yeah very, <laughs> much, very much so. I mean, it'd be, it'd be sad when that day come, comes to an end. It will yep. come to an end one day because I just can't go on yeah. forever and ever. Uh, but, yeah, as long as I'm able to do it, I'm happy to keep doing it. The one thing that we that I haven't mentioned before, and I've known you for a long time, Peter, and I know you give to the sport, not just with that car and with what you do at the track. You give to the sport. I know WASMA, you were actively involved in WASMA yep. and a lot of the drag racing committees and, and, and clubs as well. Yep. I know you gave your personal time quite you know, quite significantly to the sport. Yep. And I think the sport really owes you guys a, a debt of gratitude, no doubt. No, I think, basically speaking, I think we're just giving back to the sport what it's given us. Mm, yeah. uh, um, I'm, I'm still involved in the... I'm on the D Divisional Council in, yep. in WA for Andra. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, and I intend to stay on there as long as I can, yep. as long as they, they want me to. Yeah. Uh, that, time, that time will come to an end too. But, mm. yeah, no, I think it's been, a, it's been great for the family, but I think the family's mm. also been good for the sport too. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. It's funny in UK you talk about family... If you heard earlier the speeches here at Penrite, how family orientated that that the business is here at Penrite, you know what I mean? Like talking with the mums here, they've flown over from Melbourne, how uh, everyone that's sort of involved with the Penrite and 
ambassador program mm. it's always that family yeah um you know family feel and family oriented it's such a such a big thing it's, it's such a nice thing to hear that everything links together you know in yeah. regards to family yeah, yeah no definitely and you know that, that, that's what builds success you know if you've got the pe- right people backing you and, and family are the one that do that you know mm. if you have good family and everyone enjoys yeah. it you know it helps you with your passion and, and you know you can become a, a successful team by just having the right people supporting you yeah Yep. Just talk us through our listeners. The also you, you're a, you're a group two, what we call a group two racer. We call it sportsman here in Australia or group two. Tell us the people. So you run on a on a national index. So you run on a handicap that is, for the lack of a better word, is a national index. It's not a dial your own handicap, and it's not uh, heads up either. But talk talk the listeners through how difficult that kind of racing is because every time you go faster or touch that index your next your index is affected by that so you have to go faster again yeah. how hard that is managing all that yeah it, it's something that you, you're constantly working towards um you know you always know that things are evolving and you know you, you have to keep up with with what's going on and you know everyone's going to get better so you have to do the same so every year you go down oh you know we, we ran okay last year and you know we shouldn't touch anything but if we don't you know we won't be competitive so it's a matter of you know working out when you are competitive you know keeping it consistent so you can win races yep um, but also knowing when to go okay right that that's not going to be good enough next year and you know we need to do something about that yeah because we see guys that come over here like um steve norman comes to mind is the first yep. one that comes to mind <laughs> now those i just don't know how they do it they come here and they just keep going quicker and quicker and quicker but we call it a sportsman category. Not really sportsman, is it? Because you're having to push the envelope just to be competitive all the time. That's right. And, you know, it requires a lot of effort to do it. Um, you know, you've got to be fairly dedicated to the cause. Otherwise, you just, you're not going to be competitive. Yeah. It is, it's passion. It's, you know, desire. And, yeah, you just got to put the effort in to make it happen. Mm, yeah, yeah. Guys, it was great having you on the podcast. Where can we find details on uh, PTS, the PTS team, or what are you, you're called now? Advanced uh, Auto Wreckers. So you've combined Falcon Specialist, that been around <laughs> yeah. for a long, long time. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately, the Falcons came to an end, so we, we uh, did a bit of a name swap at work, and um, yeah, we're now Advanced Auto Wreckers. So yep. yeah, we took put that name on the car just to try and um, you know, get everyone aware of what we're doing yep. um, but yeah the the team is still PTS um, all our socials are all PTS racing yep. um, so yeah Facebook all that sort of stuff we are on there and yeah mm. okay alright uh, no, no, one, import, one important a couple of, couple of important notes though Nick I think the fact that you, you rely on good sponsorship as well you know yeah. people around and very very good crew crew yep. you can trust implicitly because when that when that car goes out on the track, you're putting someone else's life in danger, and if it's not right, it's, it's just no good. But yep. having good crew is so important to a good team. Yeah, yeah, and I know in particular your car, it's it's I don't want to say volatile. That's not the right it's a word, handful. but. 
But you've got to be like that car. I, I've seen it. Like I've seen it many times go down the track. And, say, oh, oh, ah, no. <laughs> and I go through all these different emotions yeah. Yeah. as your car's going down the track. Yeah. And it's so important. You're exactly right. Crew, you need crew that are dedicated, but more importantly, know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's one of the reasons why I couldn't crew with Simon anymore. Because seriously, I've just told him, I really don't know what I'm doing. And this car now, we're six O's. Yeah. This was back then. Yeah. Running six O's is no good for me. Because yeah. you've got to know what you're doing. Yes, correct. Yeah. You know, and, and we've been very fortunate. We've had the same crew from the get-go, and um, you know they've, they've stuck by. And you know we mm. haven't always had the best of times, but they're always there. Yeah. Yep. All right, guys. Well, look, it's a pleasure having you on. It's great to have you here. Pete's good. Really good to see you. Last thanks, time thanks I saw you was at the at yep. the track. It was, I think it was the Western Nationals when I last saw you, or yeah, maybe yeah, the meet well, before that. But yeah. anyway, yeah, it was good to see you. And Brett, yourself was great. And thanks yeah, for coming nice. on. Really yep. appreciate it. Right, thanks, thanks, so much. thanks for having us. No thanks. worries. Take thanks care. Bye-bye. All right. Well, that brings to an end the talk episode 164. <laughs> wow, that was that was actually bigger than what I expected. <laughs> Yes, and we, we finished on the high, I we think. D- we did. Well, you we did. did. You got to. I know. Sorry, I we went out of... Ro- you I know what? <laughs> I wasn't even going to put four <laughs> microphones out. I said, what scenario would I need four microphones? Well, no. the scenario would be the CEO of Penrite, Matt Payne and Dave Reynolds all wanted to talk at the same time. So there's that scenario. Yeah. So, yeah, so take, well, it, apologies. take it however you can get it. Yeah, yeah so, so this mixer is only a four-channel mixer. So, yeah, unfortunately. I, and I wasn't, honestly, I wasn't going to put out four mics. I said, you know what, I'll just do it just for the laugh. It's always, more, it's always better to go, you know, over top than, uh, than anything. That's exactly right. Hey, we need to thank the guys at Penrite, in particular Cameron. Cameron's floating around somewhere. Uh, and also Aaron at Penrite as well. And in case you didn't hear before, we have Marg Diamond here as well, mother of Toby Diamond, uh, the family behind Penrite. She's flown over this morning to be here for this event. So Penrite have put a massive amount of money into this this facility. And uh, not that it matters, but did they say her age before? Ninety-one. I thought I heard nineties. I can't believe it. Ninety-one, and everyone. I can't believe it. Like most people have left now. Like they're the the the. The, the supercars have actually left. I can tell you now, my wife's sleeping and she's she's still there <laughs> flying the flag. The supercars have left. The door slammer's in the back of the trailer. Everyone's left. There's no car. The, Chris, Chris's cars are still here. I don't, but I think he drives them home, to be honest. <laughs> so And it's just us. So And she's still talking to people. So that that is a testament to that lady. Yeah, it's amazing. It was very emotional to hear the, the speech in that they were, earlier. Yeah, uh, it's, was, it's such a family... I mean, I've always, we've always, like we've said, we've always used Penrite, funny enough, but it makes you want to use it more now, doesn't it? Yeah, because it does. um, just the, you can feel their passion yep. for their business and for their racing and for their ambassadors. Um, yeah, it was, oh, I was, uh, I'm so happy that my job brings me to these sort of places yeah. and, and experiences that because those are the things you never get to experience, Yeah, I think, you nah. know, and, and to be a part of that, it's been really good today. It has, and I've really enjoyed that as well. I like me- meeting all these people here tonight, networking, and I think it's something that we don't get a l- to do a lot of, and uh, I'm glad that we, got, we were given this opportunity. Need to thank 88.5 FM for that as well, because they, they kind of hooked us up. So, not kind of, did hook us up. Pete, oh. I know you're listening. He will be listening, because he produces our show, Pete. Okay. So, Pete, Carlos. Pete, Thanks, Pete. T- Pete teed it up. Pete was here <laughs> earlier. 
he was the, the guy standing here earlier taking photos so he teed he teed it all up so great thank you pete for that uh thanks to the team at 88.5 fm uh they'll be i think they'll be pretty happy with this episode i must say so i think you've got to be happy with this episode i am Nick. i am you know i mean? am um, i think we, we should because it wasn't looking like we were going to get get the boys on no no we had to broker that didn't we yeah <laughs> we had to broker so, that pretty hard and we got uh couchy on as well yeah, just couchy we just pulled him in out of the you did you plucked just him out of the say, crowd hey, <laughs> come and have a yak and he was really nice guy but he's a big boss man isn't he at yeah. the end of the day oh, it's good he's, to, you know. he's the head honcho so yeah it was great to to have him on as well grove the grove racing team they're another family orientated team as well so uh, thanks to them for coming out here, facilitating this evening. It's Wednesday evening. These guys are pretty busy and because they'll be hitting the track as of Friday. So it's great to see them here. Johnny, thank you very much. Thank you for giving no, up your Wednesday again, evening. It's thanks great for having to me. be here. Um, yeah, great. Anytime. No worries. And, uh, yeah, you're listening to us on uh, iTunes, Stitcher. Please, or Spotify, subscribe to us, like us, whatever you yep. do. Try and get those subs up. Uh, share it around as well. That's how, you know, we can do more of these things when we become, I guess, more well-known. Yeah. So if you can share it around, that would be great yeah, as well. We might put the video up on both channels too, yeah. maybe on the YouTube side of things because yep. um, we took a bit of video. We took a bit. Garth Tander was also here interviewing yep. the boys, so we might throw that up and we'll, we'll throw up everything we've got, um, yeah, maybe on both channels as well so everyone can, can have a look. No worries. All right, Johnny, thanks for coming in. Thanks. Great to have you here. Hello to everyone out there watching us. It's great to have you. I hope you enjoyed this one. We certainly did. Uh, and stay tuned. We'll have a review of the supercars. This actually might be after the, re- the supercars in any event. But anyway, we'll have an episode review of the supercars because we're going to be down there the whole weekend as well. So looking forward to that. Thanks, Johnny. Right, Take care. Thank you. See, See you later. Bye.